Black Lives Matter, Dijon, Kizzy, Safe Streets, the county and Pasadena and Glendale and the city of LA, trusting the internet, the slow streets, Oakland, San Francisco, Michael Schneider, streets for all, protected bike lanes, downtown, 7th Street, mm. Avalon, Nithya Raman, protected bus lanes, protected bikeways, streets LA and LADOT. The case of the disappearing bike lane, more people with kids on their bikes. The big tranche of highway funding. Trump, highway pork, paving California for drivers. Caltrans is Godzilla. Like the fire freeway is like this shotgun loaded, pointing at downtown LA. Orange County, the Valley, East LA, Downey, Commerce, Industry, Santa Fe Springs, car-centric, Caltrans and Metro highway program bearing down at neighborhoods, like taking out homes. Our generation's legacy, shitloads of cars and global warming and asthma and a dying planet pushing sustainability to the brink people at leadership like the metro board are saying this is excessive and needs to be reined in we need to kill these projects and to invest in modes that we need for the future which is rail and bike and transit and walking and not squander billions and billions on wider freeways gobbling up vast amounts of money Uh, how are you doing? Melanie, Curry, Streets Blog, California. We're surviving. <laughs> Joe. We have Joe Linton. Hey. Streets red Blog teacher. with the red justice fist from Streets Blog, Los Angeles. Black Lives Matter. And guess who else? It's Don. Hey. Hello. Hello. Sorry I'm late. Hey. Happy 2021. 2021. Already looking crazy like 2020. Could be the new normal. We'll see. <laughs> I think it looks crazier than 2020, but <laughs> so far. Certainly more deadly in terms of COVID. Yeah. It's not going down yet. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I was trying to keep it upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But you, you were trying to keep a 2020 year in review upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, up. like putting it behind us, but was it a good year for bikes? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there are some things about it that were really good. Like bike shops went nuts. People couldn't get their hands on enough bikes. People were stuck at home and were finding ways to ride around. Some streets got made into safe streets. That was good for some neighborhoods. Like it's awesome to see people out biking and walking in the middle of the street. It's like, it's like some people's idea of heaven, mine too, but um, in, you know, in some neighborhoods that was crazy great. And yeah, the thing about the bike shops running out of supply, that's, woohoo, let's just, just keep that sustained. So yeah, in some ways, it was a really good year for bikes. Yeah. And I would also say that um, in terms of state leadership, um, it, I, I saw a real shift in attention to sustainable transportation, especially bikes, at the State Department of Transportation at Caltrans in a way that we haven't seen before. And we didn't see that really. It, it's been coming a little bit, but at the beginning of 2020, there was a push that has been interesting to watch snowball a little bit. 
it's well, also up there on the high level. So we'll see how it works on the ground. Talk, talk about that though. What What's changed at Caltrans? Cause it sure feels like they're widening highways through LA County. They <laughs> are still doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean, can you blame the fact that maybe it takes forever to plan? I don't know. Part of that is there was a lot of gas tax money and that got deployed in the last few years. So that's still happening. Yeah, they're still widening highways. But um, just before 2020 started, there was a new leader at Caltrans who is an outspoken advocate for sustainable transportation, walking, biking, and transit. His name's Tokes Omishakin. He came from Tennessee. I hope that's right. He's, he's really awesome. And so he is like the head, literally the figurehead of Caltrans. And even though that's like kind of at a rarefied level, because it's way up there and Caltrans has this headquarters in, South, in, Cal, in Sacramento. And then they have 12 different districts that are in many ways, largely independent. The direction from the top is completely new and the push is to change that. And there are, there are other things at Caltrans that um, are happening. Like they have a sustainability department that they never had before. So they have staff at the top level that are um, doing things that staff at the top level at Caltrans never did before. That will take forever to translate to the districts, but it's, it is a big change. And one of the ways that happened that expressed itself was a fight earlier in the year about the, um, the SHOP program. So S-H-O-P-P, state high, I never remember, State Highway Operations Performance Program, something like that. It's one of the major funding sources for uh, maintenance on state highways. And usually they just say, this is, you know, like cities and locals say, this is what we want to spend our money on. Usually highway widenings, right? Or fix this road, make it wider, make it safer. And um, this year, Caltrans from the top said, we want money in that program to go to um, bike and walking. And some of that was like in response to um, the move the year before to try to get a complete streets bill through that failed. Um, but they were responding to political pressure. That Caltrans sabotage thing, we can't discuss pending legislation. <laughs> right. And they sabotaged it by saying it would be way too expensive. So then, so then in, in the meantime, the new leadership came on. So maybe he can say, well, that wasn't me. But he said, we're going to do something about this. So they set aside some money within that program for the first time specifically for bike, ped, and walk. So that's in addition to the major source of funding for active transportation in California, which is the active transportation program. And that as well advocates for years have been saying, you know, we need to make this a better program. We need more money. It's, it's a great program, but way too many people are applying for money. So there's way more projects than they have money for. This year, in fact, a couple months ago, there was a push from the top levels to put more money in that program. I've never heard people at the California Transportation Commission say, we need to put a lot more money into the ATP, which is the Active Transportation Program. So in that sense, yeah, 
things are looking better. It's we're nowhere near where we need to be, but there's more money. There's a push for more money specifically for bikes and pets. And then there's attention being paid to it at the highest levels. So, I mean, one thing that that's good is that means that people like us on the ground level can keep saying, hey, dude, Caltrans, you said you were going to do this and we can call them to account. I mean, that sounds good. It's just that it requires a lot of energy, a lot of political energy. And, you know, it's like you need people with the energy to, to hound Caltrans and maybe that exists right now, but you know, we don't know that that's going to exist next year or the year after mm-hmm. they, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, the gas tax, I was always kind of curious about how that was going to play out. It's like the gas tax is funding more road construction, freeway widenings at the behest of whatever political body is making these decisions rather than having a policy that you know, gives the, these political bodies no choice but to implement this. So, but I would say, I mean, it, it's not it's not the revolution, but the the gas tax was fought tooth and nail by the petroleum industries, who you know wrote editorials in the LA Times saying it was dead, you know, and impugning Kevin DeLeon, who's now a city council member. I mean, the people who fought the gas tax. Um, are, you know, I want to say our enemies, our enemies of people who are working for safe streets and sustainability and public health and, you know, fighting global warming. So I, I don't, you know, it's not battleships don't turn around in a day, but the, I, I think that even, even, it, I think the gas tax remains a, a good positive step and you know not a not 20 steps in the right direction but a a, a a difficult heavy lift step in in the right direction but that's a couple years ago I mean, and, and it was fought yeah. tooth and nail in the legislature and then it was fought to be repealed you know so i mean it's it's weathered uh it's got scars on it already and it's still very young so um so we'll we'll see well, and also it had to happen. The history of funding um, transportation was like the idea that the gas tax was a user fee was just failing and it had been failing for years and the whole system was just insane. And so one of the things that the gas tax did was sort of um, clarify that. It made, it made the sources of funding and the output at least clear. So mm-hmm. like, there's a certain number of programs and, you know, each of those programs, you do need to fight to make sure that they go in the right direction. Like for example, the congested corridors program (laughs) needs to not go towards freeways. Um, And that's a fight. There are people who are fighting it though. But to your point, that's, that's actually a good point. Like what's going to happen to advocacy in the future? Like, it's just it's just tiring it's like Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of volunteer hours required to get them to do the right thing Mm -hmm. i mean i was totally for the gas tax i advocated for it i you know posted about it argued about it everything in favor of it it's just i was also sort of in the back of my mind i was like okay it's 
also going to fund mostly, I mean, freeways unless they, unless Caltrans changes its policy, which they didn't, I guess. But uh, here's, yeah. here's the caveat I would say on that is in the past, you know, the, the, the state budget, which is, you know, income taxes, property taxes, which is paid by everyone, um, was subsidizing the transportation budget. So for sure, for sure. I would rather drivers pay for this than absolutely everyone pay for this. And when drivers pay for this, the state can can afford programs for housing, programs for education. You know, I mean, it's transportation has been a drain on the general budget and and continues to be, but less so under the gas tax. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so you're saying they're reallocating currently what they have been sapping from the general fund. They're now reallocating that to housing. They've done this or they're going, there's well, plans to do this the, kind of thing or good programs, social programs, whatever. You know, it's COVID recession. The budget's fucked up right now. So it's yeah. not a, it's not a, you know, one for one replacement, but you know, or in the in, in the years in the years since the gas tax, they've they've uh, earmarked money that previously was going to highways, and now they've transferred that money to social programs. Or are they still draining both? You know what I mean? Are they still taking gas tax money plus still draining the general fund? Are they? Yeah. Is there? They are. Okay. But less so. Less so. They have been reallocating money yeah okay yeah i i don't yeah i I don't know the inner workings well and nor do i know the the you know line items of the state budget but yeah but i mean in broadly the by by making drivers pay on a you know per gallon basis for transportation facilities it decreases the pressure to use general fund for those for those expenditures and i mean did it turn around no it didn't but it it's it's a step in the right direction it's it's beginning to turn the priorities i mean that would be interesting to get into the weeds of it and see you know see these budget line items and and determine and then hound them on those points it's like Hey, you guys are still sapping money from the general fund for these freeway projects. Let's change that. Let's reallocate that. That would be a big deal, I think, for transit advocates to get into because we then are fully transferring the burden of maintaining our roads to car drivers rather than supplementing. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a cynical type of person when it comes to these things. I would almost feel like they're not going to you know, reallocate money. I think they're just going to add to it. That's, that's happened too. Sorry, Melanie, go, go for it. Sorry. It's, it's not even really a matter of reallocating. Like right now, transportation has a lot of money because of SB1. Um, But another large source of money for transportation comes from local sales taxes that have been passed like regionally, like LA has measure, what was it? B- Measure M-R-C-N-A. M-R-C-N-A. Right. So there's a bunch in the Bay Area. 
Other places have passed them with some success or not. And usually those have like a laundry list of um, projects attached to them. And um, in order to get two thirds majority vote, you get everybody involved. So I know, for example, the one in the Bay Area and um, Alameda County, no, Bay Area wide, Alameda County, um, the, um, they got labor on board because they were building more roads and also transit because they were going to add to BART. They had like a list of specific projects. So once those pass, people, everybody, because it's, it's sales tax, everybody is paying the sales tax and it goes into all of those projects. So um, that's one of the things to think about that one of the ways that transportation gets funded is not through SB1, it's through sales tax on everything that everybody buys. So that, that complicates it. And I was gonna say something else and I totally forgot because this has a tendency to get so wonky. <laughs> oh, road charge. So they're also kicking around the idea still of doing a road charge. It hasn't really gone anywhere yet. They did like a little test and they're gonna do another little test. But it's Can you explain that road charge so, a little bit? So a road charge is? would be um, a way to charge people per mile. Mm. The idea being it's, like, if you drive more, you pay more. If you have a heavier car, you pay more. Like it would be based on all these different things. So now, now people, uh, I guess, mostly libertarian leaning people are always talking about privacy and that they're going to have to track your car. It's like, why can't they just at the smog check your odometer? Why do they even have to have a GPS monitor on your car and make it you know, all scary to libertarian groups and so forth? Right. They could just check your mileage, right? Like, Right. And that was the first step that they did. They came up with a little system where you would report, you take a picture of your odometer. You know, they, they had different ways where they were just testing this in order to get over that hump, because that will always be the argument. So then the next thing they have to test, I think, is how they might collect money because how do you do pay at the pump? How, how do you do that? It's not really at the pump because there's electric cars involved that don't go to the pump. So it's, it's, they're still working it out. I think they're kind of like just slow walking it because they could figure it out a lot faster if they really wanted to. Mm. The passage of this one gave them a little bit of leeway, though, because now they have all this money coming in. There's not so much pressure to ha make it happen right away. It was desperate before SB1 passed. Or Oregon is doing more on it. It's, it's called, sometimes called a mileage-based user fee. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, you, there, there are people on both sides of the aisle that, that like it. Um, so it may be something mm -hmm. that can move forward and and it folks like um blumenauer um the congressman bicycle caucus person from uh oregon is is a big proponent of it i mean so progressive transportation people are looking to it i i feel like california is very much fucking around and not really making it happen <laughs> so wouldn't it be but, nice if it happened at the federal level <laughs> well, I would think that at smog, at smog inspection, they just look at your odometer, report it to the state, then the state sends you a bill when you, like I just did the smog on my, on my Toyota. I had to get it smogged first. I paid the 60 or 70 bucks, whatever it was. Then I go to the DMV site. They already would have a record of my odometer and they would just say, this is your renewal fee, like the rest of it, based on your mileage. 
I would think that'd be the simple way to do it. Maybe, but you want to know something depressing. I just found out because someone wrote about this for Streets Blog. A lot of counties in California don't even require um, smog tests. So really, I thought that was like a statewide thing. Me too. Only, only the counties that the the big urban counties. Yeah, so shocking and depressing to discover that. Isn't it the counties with like non-attainment status? Like, so it's the- That require- It's the urban ones and and I believe it's the Central Valley too. Wow. So all of the far Northern California ones, you don't even have to do a smog test. It's been a while since since anyone used the word bike. (laughs) Well, we're talking about 2020. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think bikes were the story in 2020. I mean, I, there was a, you know, there was a big, uh, uh, I believe it was a New Yorker article that talked about how, you know, COVID was the story of the year until, you know, Black Lives Matter became the story of the year. And hmm. I, I think that those are, I think we really need to acknowledge those. I mean, people in Los Angeles, Dijon Kizzy was, you know, riding a bike in South Los Angeles and the LA sheriffs, you know, ended his life on the pretext of a traffic stop, you know, and he's, he's not alone. How many, how many officer involved shootings um, do you think LA County, according to the LA Times, we, we got in 2020? Who wants to guess? Officer according to coroner records shootings in los angeles in 2020 how many los angeles yeah. city la county coroner records officer involved shooting cause of death 250 34 people 18 by la sheriffs nine by lapd three by long beach two pasadena two chp and one torrance wait you're yeah. saying officer involved shootings that that and it resulted in a death. Right. No, okay. Yeah. Were those corner? Okay, gotcha. So those were, some of those you're not talking about just traffic stops. You're talking about all officer involved shootings. Right. I'm talking about deaths that the mm-hmm. the, the cause of death was officer involved shooting. So I mean I I think it's you know, I think that bicycling's important, but I mean I think it's I think it's important to acknowledged that 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 was the big story i mean that covid and black lives matter are the 2020 year in review i mean we we can talk more about bikes but i mean i I think we really need to acknowledge that up front yeah totally totally one of the the, the big picture those are the stories yeah in terms of biking news forward is in that the the stories about um safe streets uh, City Lab did that article a couple days ago where they sort of traced what happened in 2020 around safe streets. And it was really good because um, for a lot of people, it was an amazing, like, wow, here's a benefit that we get. Here we're all tied down. We're locked up and COVID's terrible. And this this is like a playground on our streets. And um Oakland was a really good example of where the city said, well, we want this to be fair. So we're gonna put them in all the neighborhoods, but they didn't, they put them in neighborhoods where the problem was not solved by putting up barriers. 
And uh, the people in some of those neighborhoods were like, once again, you guys come in with a solution that does nobody any good because we're not going to be out here walking in the street just because you put up a barrier. And um, it, it caused yet another conversation that Oakland is kind of prepared itself for about how, um, you know, traffic safety means one thing in a well-off white neighborhood and something completely different in a neighborhood that's mostly people of color. And um, it's just like night and day. So they had the hard conversations there. Uh, the solutions weren't, you know, revolutionary and probably no, the solutions weren't there. It's ongoing. They need to talk about policing and other issues that haven't been solved. Um, but it, it forced people to kind of come up short and realize, oh, you can't just say, okay, let's make every quiet street into a front yard for the people living on that street. It's not going to work that way. Yeah, I think the story of the, the LA calls them slow streets mm -hmm. and uh, the, the county and Pasadena and Glendale and the city of LA, I think those are the ones who did it, all, all did these programs and did it in ways that were um, extraordinarily wimpy um, and, and, uh, and over the course of the year further watered them down. And now that there's a motion to make them permanent, want to water them down even more to turn them from a sandwich board sign that cars drive around and knock over to a to a sign um, on the on the parkway, like in the grass next to the street, so drivers will speed past it without even knowing it exists. So I mean, <laughs> I I think you know I'm someone who I mean Streets for All made a real push. It took it took LA a while. There was a false start, and you know, and then a rollout. I, I think that they, there, there were big differences in um, how they're received. That some, some of the, mostly on the west side, some, some of the program have been fairly successful, and people, at least from social media. I mean, it's. I feel like if the story of 2020 for me is like trusting the internet and not trusting my eyes and my legs. <laughs> so, but. Uh, <laughs> um, don't so at least internet. according to the internet, like some, some of the calmer, some of the West Side, mostly West Side streets, um, people feel like it was a notable improvement and places like here in Koreatown, I mean, my, my wife and my daughter just biked down 4th Street, which, you know, has long been something that we pushed to become a bike boulevard and was designated a safe, uh, a slow street. And, you know, they got honked at and a car driver like aggressively, you know, passed, you know, a, a seven-year-old on her bike, you know, my daughter. So, I mean, the, I, I think the, the slow streets have been a, a big, uh, you know, failure. I think it's been a, a, a big failure for, for Los Angeles in that, um, the the city is unwilling to uh to to date um to really do diverters to really make something where cars would need to fucking drive around the block instead of and and let bikes and pets go straight through so i don't know i i think it's 
like I said, it started wimpy and got watered down and it's being watered down further. So I don't, I, <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a big disappointment for me. Has anyone tried any like DIY, like just bring, hauling out a bunch of big planters and sticking them in the street? <laughs> <laughs> Rich people do that to keep cars out of their neighborhoods, mm -hmm. but uh, it hasn't, um, hasn't been the case that, I, that I'm aware of. There, there have been a little bit of DIY, DIYs, like handmade signs and stuff attached to some of the things, uh, um, sort of. Yeah, there's people, I mean, when you drive through residential areas, people put out those, those signs with, it, it's like a fluorescent kid yeah. with yeah. a sign that says yeah. slow, like right. that's. It's a sign that says drive like your kid lives here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is telling people, which is affirming drivers to begin yeah. with. So it frustrates me. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What do you mean affirming drivers? Like, like you should say like walk or bike, if at all possible, if you really need to drive, drive like your kids live here, something like that. You know, <laughs> it's telling, it's telling people to drive. I go by that sign on a bike and I think like, are you telling me to drive? Really? <laughs> you know, is that what you want? Mm. Yeah. I, I I take it and there's there's a lot of signs uh, that are that are used for sort of traffic calming stuff that are very um, you know that that assume that everyone drives. Yeah, I guess I kind of saw it as like we're only speaking to drivers, and if you put, I mean, it's hard to read those signs. Like the slow streets when they they put it in the neighborhood where my office is in Los Feliz. And I, at first I thought they were, it was some kind of uh, maybe a parade route or something that was happening, <laughs> whatever it was. And it yeah. was, I couldn't see the sign. Like I couldn't read everything on the sign. I just saw like slow yeah. down. So it definitely was wimpy. It was just, I mean, it didn't, it didn't have much effect. Like I didn't see people walking more in the street or, really much of a change in in my neighborhood but um yeah if 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 you walk down the middle of the street in Koreatown you know <laughs> you would get honked at and and yeah. possibly hit you know by yeah. drivers yeah you know and the sign says um uh no through traffic and you know hundreds of cars go down that block every hour you know, through traffic. No, nobody, I mean, A, it's only in English. B, it's in a size that's hard for drivers to read, you know, and C, yeah, by the it's time not you come across it. You can't, you can't expect drivers to do the right thing, you know? And by the They're time you come across it, you're, you're already, you know, yeah. on that street. You're, you're not yeah. going to turn around just because some sandwich board says it's not a through street. Right. Yeah. And, and D, Waze is probably sending them that way too. That's another thing. Yeah. Well, the good news is, um, at least at least from what I saw, um, uh, the the city uh, gives Waze and Google Maps is where I saw it. So and uh, they work with Waze, right? It's like part of the they own Waze, yeah. Corporation. So um, I, I actually tested it to, to like. I started at the beginning and went to the end of a safe street and asked it as a driver, like how to get there. And Waze would direct me 
in a box around the safe street. And, and when I asked for bike and walk directions, it would direct me on the safe, on the slow street. So that's um, amazing. That's actually yeah. amazing. Yeah, it, it's good. I mean, it's, you know, you know, little, whatever, the tiny steps. <laughs> that's, so. that's, um, that's kind of incredible, actually. I mean, that's a lot of power right there. Sandwich board well, or not, if the city can designate a street as a safe street and then force ways to direct people around that street, that's way better than a sandwich board. Well, here's, here's the bad news is um, uh, LADOT apparently like gave these streets to, to Google, whatever, reportedly. Um, and then advocates um, spotted that, uh, that Google was showing the, the slow streets in Oakland and in San Francisco and not in Los Angeles. And so Michael Schneider, um, the founder of Streets for All, um, you know, got on the horn with Google and said, hey, if you're going to do it up there, you got to do it here too. And, um, uh, you know, and, and actually DOT, and, and we first asked DOT, like, hey, how come this shows in San Francisco and not in LA? And, and DOT was like, oh, I don't know, like, we, we tell them what the streets are, like, it's up to them what they want to do. And it's like, so anyway, so, so it. And it Michael took, Schneider got on the horn with Google. I talked took, to somebody at Google and they changed it, took, it. Yeah, it took some advocacy, at least like bugging, bugging the DOT and bugging Google and, 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 it, and it came around to them displaying it. I mean, it's still... <laughs> it's okay, like, that, that, that's the bike story of 2020 for me thus far. That's good. That's pretty incredible. You can't get anybody on the phone at Google. Yeah, how did he get that number? <laughs> I don't know. He I probably mean, knows had, a bunch of I've people there. I've reported things on Google Maps and and seen them fixed. You I mean you can report problems with Google? I, I mean, it, it's not. I mean, that's like a major. Like that's you could. I, I mean, if you could report that, that'd be great. But I have a feeling, uh, Michael. He's kind of. I think he's he's very involved in the tech world. He probably knew some people yeah. there. Yeah, that's what I think too. But, okay. Well, you know. Hey, that's we got it. it that, so far, I'm checking that one off right now as the story of 2020 <laughs> for bikes. Let's see what happens, but well, let's I see what else so, we can figure out here. So I, I think it's been so during during the I want to I want to talk about sort of city bikeway implementation. Um, uh, it, in the in the recent years, like under, so under Villaragosa, the, the, the mayor had a direction and had a minimum mileage that the DOT was doing. And we saw, LA saw, um, you know, bikeway mileage ramp up under Villaragosa in a big way um, to, to, so, and they Recently and you've been doing a great job of monitoring that, Joe. I gotta say, kudos to you. You've been like <laughs> measuring every inch of bike lanes, and this has been going on for years, actually. Yeah, you've been doing this. So I'm thank the, you. I'm the bike community's spreadsheet guy. <laughs> yes, thank so, you so much, man. Thank you so but much. Part of it is that DOT doesn't know what they're doing, so DOT will say 
we did 20 miles. And I'll say, well, what about the LA River bike path bridges? And they're like, oh yeah, we did 21 miles. <laughs> so it's like, it's like they, they, you know, whatever they, there's different things in different silos in the city. And as a bicyclist, you know, I use the bike path in the Spalvitic Basin that's wreck and parks. I use the bike path bridge over the LA River that's Bureau of Engineering. I use the, you know, bike path that's the county. I use the bike path that's the city. And so as a cyclist, you know, you 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 use these things. And as, as DOT, they're sort of like, oh, well, our bike people did these ones, you know, so they don't count other departments like Bureau of Engineering. Anyway, so, so there's, and then, <laughs> They, they also kind of over-report and under-report and report things that don't exist and stuff. So I, I, I always like to, you know, bang on any kind of mileage report that they give us because it's often wrong because they don't really give a fuck about bikes. And so when they report the numbers on bikes, they don't care if they're wrong. Um, so so I, I do care. So, so yeah, thank anyway, you. So under, under Villaragosa, my, mileage was like... Uh, in the 2000s, it was like two or three miles a year. And if you had a ghost, it went to like 100 miles a year. And under Garcetti, it's gone back down to like 10 miles a year. Like it's dropped precipitously um, from, from, from a peak under Villaragosa. And Selena Reynolds has said, um, uh, we, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing, not that I'm not quoting, but basically that, that, um, that the department would focus on quality over quantity. And, and to some extent, when they had a mileage mandate, they just slapped down bike lanes where they fit, whether it was out of the way or important and um, not, not, well, all the mile, not, not every mile is equal, but I mean, anyways, but, but when you've got a hundred miles, you get about 20 good miles. <laughs> and when you get, you know, 10 miles a year, you get, you know, one or two good miles anyways. And so it's still, it's still not, even though quantity has dropped a great deal, quality hasn't, there, there's some good stuff. I mean, we're doing protected bike lanes that we weren't doing under Villaragosa, but they're, you know, few and far between and um, wimpy, even, even for protected bike lanes. But, but I think, so in looking at in looking at the the mileage this year um, in, in in this fiscal year it, which which ended in on July first or June thirtieth or whatever um, in looking at that mileage DOT actually stepped up a lot for what's called fiscal year 2019-2020. and the big cause for that is um, more it's not like bike leadership or even dot <laughs> it's it's that under covid um repaving what's called bureau of street services uh, that's been rebranded as streets la um because they weren't giving parking tickets and they weren't people were staying at home as they should the city wasn't ticketing so it was difficult to repave residential streets so bureau of engineering went and repaved commercial big arterial streets places where where there where there is space for bike lanes and where there is need for bike lanes a lot of residential streets are somewhat chill and don't necessarily need bike lanes and don't necessarily have enough space for it so it's sort of a byproduct of the city 
repaving system that um, that that the the bike lane mileage popped up somewhat. It's still it's not great. I don't. I could pull up the numbers if you want me to talk about specifics. But there's an article at at, at Streets Blog um, showing. Uh, and and I guess one other thing that factored into that was um, there have been a series of lawsuits um, of largely solo bicycle crash lawsuits where people um, have have you know hit a rough pavement a, you know a pothole or something going fast on their bikes and then sued the city so part of the part of the street services the streets LA program was to focus on places where there had been um, at not just crashes, but lawsuits, uh, frankly. And so, um, so that, that's, that saw some improvement in, in places where at least some people bike, although it's, it's still a little bit, um, whatever, there's some logic flaws in that, in that, in that uh, the, the city has pledged to up repaving of, bikeways of places where there are bike lanes um and and as you guys know <laughs> it's not people on bikes like bike on every street and so it's not always um it's the, so so bike facilities are getting a lot of repaving but it's not necessarily where people are biking that's getting repaved in that in that priority but anyways but uh, overall it's it's not a huge difference, but um, but we did see a lot more bikeways and a lot of stuff happened downtown. And I think some really there are some missed opportunities, but some some really good facilities. There's there's a lot of places downtown where we saw where we're seeing a new model for for streets, and which is uh, a bike on a one-way street in downtown. You've got buses in the right lane, and in the past we put the bike lane on the right. Um, and so you had sort of bus bike conflict on the right side of the street. And so in a number of places, Fifth and Sixth Street, um, Olive and Grand, um, we've seen one-way streets where uh, the city has put the bike lane on the left and a bus lane on the right. Um, and I think those are I think those are, and, and those are protected bike lanes um, too. I mean, there's more, there, there's, I have some criticism that the, the bike lane sometimes ends before the bus lane ends when there's a, when there's a pinch point. But I think, I think we're, I think we're really seeing a, um, you know, it's sort of a NACTO, the National Association of Cities, City Transportation, know what the O stands for organization or something anyways officials officials, officials. Um, so it's it's really an act of best practice and I think it's it's long overdue for downtown LA that that we that we really that we take these one-way streets that that used to be really optimized for driving and now we've got them um, more balanced between transit bicycling and driving so I think I think that's a good that's a good thing that's emerged. And so, some of that, there's, there's some, there's, there's quite a few, I mean, it's not, I hate to, it's all like faint praise because it's like, there's not a real network. There's not a real, um, 
putting bike facilities where people need them, but the, the city's actually done quite a few new protected bike lanes. The ones I mentioned downtown, 7th Street got new ones. Um, mm. Avalon is, is uh, a mixed facility, partially protected and partially buffered from for like six miles through South LA that, that was largely road dieted and got bike lanes. There's new, some new bike lanes in the, uh, protected bike lanes in the North Valley on a street that I'm forgetting. Reseda. Uh, by, Reseda. Uh, well, Reseda, that's a few years old. There's a new one. Um, Winnetka. That, well, Winnetka got <laughs> new ones. Uh, I'll look, I'm gonna pull up the, uh, the, the street that I'm thinking of. Um, it's a, it's a, God darn it. Like Fallbrook or something. Like or Shoop. Is what it's up near. What's that? Shoop or Fallbrook um, or something like that. Winneka is by, by Pierce College. It's, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities. I think there's a lot of frustration. There's, I mean, I think the good news is, is that, is that the, in the most recent election, you know, we had a candidate who you guys have talked to a bunch of times, Nithya Raman, who, who ran on, a, a platform of uh, protected bus lanes, protected bikeways. So the street I'm thinking of is called Eldridge Avenue. Mm. <laughs> it's way up in like Silmar. It's it's. It, but I mean, anyway. So there's it's it, it's there, there's a bunch of good facilities. Um, they're not totally connected. It's you know there's whatever. There's a lot we can complain about. But I think that with all the repaving and with Streets LA and LADOT um, committed to uh, upgrades where the, where they could and where the city council member wasn't a hostile shit, uh, like more than half the council is to bikes. Um, uh, the the departments were able to um, you know squeeze in quite a few good facilities this year. So if we were to just have a simple like rating system for the year in bikes in LA. It's one of those things where like, it's been so bad that, that, that the facilities that were done this year look pretty good in comparison to the dismal average that we've been, that we've been faced with. I don't, I don't think it's an A by any chance, but I want to say it's like, it's been a D D D and maybe this year it's a C or something like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it looks like a big improvement. It still doesn't look good. And, and, and there are some victories, but I mean, LA is a huge place. So, you know, a, a dozen new quality facilities in a year um, is important and, and places that I ride with my daughter um, and, and, uh, Main Street downtown, Seventh Street downtown. There's there's some there's some really good facilities, um, but I mean it's it's still, you know, it's still not a network, and it's still many. There's still a lot of missed opportunities. the The city still most of the council are still hostile to you know road diets and to anything that could upset the you know driving Uber Alice. So, what about uh, yeah? I was gonna say, there's something to be said for that as a beginning. Joe, you and I have talked about how, like, 
in LA is in the valley, especially you're on a, a lane and it suddenly just disappears when you get to an intersection. Um, it's not just LA, it, it happens everywhere. And um, having that lane is a good beginning in terms of like getting people used to the idea that the lane is there, but the networking and the intersect, the networking of the lanes and the intersections absolutely need to be fixed in order to get more people on bikes. So like the, the iffy thing is like where people will say, well, there's that bike lane, but no one's ever on it. So why should we expand this? Why should we do any more? And it's going to take getting them networked and connected so that people start riding them and see other people riding them and then get out there riding them to start a, a bit of a snowball effect. And I wouldn't say that we've seen a snowball effect in the Bay Area, but that issue is an ongoing issue. Like that we have the case of the disappearing bike lane all over the place, but it's, it's getting fixed little by little by little. And there are more people out on bikes than there ever were more people with kids on their bikes than there were even when my, my daughter was a little kid, she's 24 now. And I was like, I felt like I was the only one. And now it's very common for people to be out with their kids on bikes more in COVID, but even before that. And that's partly because of that, slowly growing network. So it's like a, it's a something to think about for advocates because the network is an important part of it. And we have to keep pushing that even though people will say, well, look, nobody's using them. I mean, people are using them, but. Well, <laughs> that makes me want to read the, the, you guys remember the police statement about uplift Melrose. So there was this, uh, I'm going to pull it up so I can, it's, I call it like Schrodinger's bicycle. There's, there's no bicycles and they're doing really dangerous things, you know? <laughs> so it's like. Uh, that was something this year. Yeah, so the, the police said here, this, this, is a, this is a quote from uh, Paulson, is her Shannon Paulson, LAPD Wilshire area commanding officer, Shannon Paulson. She says, um, I, I would also, and this is in a letter that was part of what was the part, it was part of what killed this Uplift Melrose, this uh, project to make Melrose safer and better for bicycling. She says, uh, I think in many communities, the use of bike lanes have been exceptionally minimal to almost zero. This after surrendering very valuable vehicle traffic lanes to create them. And then she goes on to say, um, uh, on Main Street downtown, where you have City Hall employees pulling out of the City Hall garage near Temple, and they look right only as additional vehicle traffic on Main Street is northbound. Yet that bike lane is two way. So you have southbound bicycle coming along at 25 miles an hour. So she's saying nobody uses them and the people who use them go too fast, <laughs> you know? So um, it's kind of Schrodinger's bicycle when people say, you know, nobody uses bike lanes. It's like- Well, people say like, if there was a bridge that didn't make it to the other side, would you, would you use the bridge? Yeah. Do you need, did you count the number of swimmers to decide where to build a bridge? You know, not usually. People on bikes don't take up very much space. So people say there are no bikes when there's tons of people on bikes going by. They just don't see them because they don't take up as much space as somebody in a car. 
Yeah. Well, and it's sort of confirmation bias. They, they don't look for them. They don't welcome them on big, dangerous streets. So bicyclists use smaller streets and neighborhoods that are safer. And then when the bicyclists get off the big streets, people on the big streets say, hey, nobody bikes on Wilshire. You know, well, it's like, yeah, because you made it shitty and, and deadly, you know. So, but I mean, it, it's, I, I think in some places, though, we've, I think in downtown L.A., especially, um, we're, we're seeing a, a network emerging and we're not, we're not seeing, you know, massive, you know, Portland or Copenhagen levels of ice cream, but I think where, where facilities are useful, people are out bicycling, you know, and where they're not, where those facilities aren't there, you know, the intrepid few people like Roadblock and me, <laughs> are out there bicycling but and frankly I'm bicycling a lot with my seven-year-old and so I'm avoiding those big streets mm -hmm. you know but <laughs> anyways I'm trying to think of what else what other stories 2020 bike-wise but I mean um I, I think that with I, I think that the election gives me a lot of optimism that that Nithya Raman is is going to be great uh, uh, for, for bikes and um, is a planner is somebody who who promised bike lanes who who you know says climate change is real and urgent and that that bikes are one big part of the solution for that and that and that protected bike lanes are 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 the solution I think. Holly Mitchell and Gascon and Measure J. There, there's a lot of good election results. Um, Mark Ridley Thomas, um, Kevin DeLeon even. There, there, are, um, there were a lot of people elected this year. I mean, I'm disappointed. Don and I both walked and knocked a lot for this, for Lorraine Lundquist. There, it could have been even better um, mm. had, had we gotten the, the North west valley seat she's the um, one out in that lee got that seat yeah which was a hose job by the the whoever was i mean the feds kept that indictment secret until after the election that's completely bs yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would have changed that would have completely turned the election yeah and it was pretty darn close anyways i mean but but we Whatever we we I think bike the vote and streets for all have been have been good, but I think we as bicyclists need to really get behind candidates like Raman and Lundquist even even better than we have. Um, but I think too. So I think at the at the state level's not so good <laughs> necessarily. Um, I don't know. There's probably good good signs there. Laura Friedman. There's there's folks who are who are certainly good. Um, but I think at the at the national level that that you know Trump has been um, wretched for transit funding for you know has taken programs like Tiger, what's it? Do you remember the name that it's called now, Melanie? Strode or something? <laughs> Anyways, I want to call Strode. it. Uh, <laughs> it's not, that's a derogatory that's term. But it's like it's like it was sort of. Uh, under Obama, it was like innovative transportation, and it went it went to some highway projects, and it went to some transit projects, and um, and rarely whatever to to bike and ped and stuff. So 
So there's sort of the, you know, the big tranche of highway funding stays the same, the like fire hose, but Obama had this little hose of like, hey, we'll, we'll give you, we'll give some innovative grants to, to folks who want to do good things. Trump kept that little hose and turned it into highway pork, you know, and, and in California, it went to, you know, red inland counties for road widening and stuff as if that was some kind of innovative anything. Anyway, so, but, um, uh, so I, I think that under Biden, we're going to see, um, you know, he talks about needing to shift away from fossil fuels. I think that, um, we're, I think that we're going to see investment in rail um, and transit. I mean, Trump, you know, sat on Metro subway money for, for more than two years, uh, you know, that, that delayed Metro tunneling this purple line under Wilshire, you know, and I, I think we won't see that under, under Biden. So, I mean, I don't know. So I think that, I think that between um, some, some really good local victories and some national, some some big shifts nationally. Frankly, you know, Georgia, there's there's a lot to have hope for on on a lot of fronts, and I think transportation is one of them that 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 significantly shifted in in the November election. Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm right, still so thinking about that that ways. <laughs> That weighs precedent. That's a big one, I think. We'll they'll talk about it later. But so you guys want to Yeah. Sorry. Should we do this again next year? <laughs> Hopefully, you know, we'll be we'll be talking about the, you know, the tribes and the the you know, when the water inundated the entire floodplain because the ocean rose, you know, oh, to meet the God. forest fires. You know, we can talk about that next year. <laughs> A few so, more years. Give it, give it a couple, like five, maybe for that. Is we'll that... see. But hey, let's let me let me talk about one more thing quick. Is that okay? Or are we are we? Yeah, time? absolutely. We have time. Um, so the big story that I really got my teeth around this year, and it it centers on, or I should say, one of one of the protagonists is a is a cyclist. Uh, um, so. You know, we talked a little bit at the beginning about Caltrans widening highways. So Metro and Caltrans have this shitty plan called the 605 Quarter Improvement Project, which which is, you know, going to spend billions of dollars, well, I should say, is, is planning to spend billions of dollars to widen the 605 and especially the 5 freeway through the city of Downey and to take out... Um, hundreds of homes, probably more than 250 homes in, in the city of Downey. Um, the, the, the plan had been sort of quietly, you know, growing like cancer. <laughs> like in 2014, they studied it and said, oh, let's just take out about 80 homes. And, and then by, by this year, because nobody said 80 was too much, they, they came back and said, oh, well, we'll take out, you know, 250. So plus, or, I mean, and what's funky is in August they announced it, and and then people like Alex Contreras um, sounded the alarm, and even even the freeway proponents sounded the alarm and said the what's called the Council of Governments um, said 
and the and the I five joint powers authority. The people the people who um, generally had been pro highway said, "Ooh, that sounds like a lot of homes you're going to take out in our neighborhoods." You know, is can you slow down a little? Um, so, but but Alex Contreras, they really sounded the alarm, and and uh, um, the the they grew up in that neighborhood. Their parents lived there. They were running for office in, in Downey and really were able to make the, the anti-freeway widening a campaign issue and uh, a, a media issue. The, the TV news latched onto it. I, I was really happy to um, go down there and take pictures and, and be one of the first media sources that's, that supported it. But I mean, really Twitter uh, was where Contreras was able to um, make the case. And, and that went to the Metro board who turned around and said, um, you know, this, this plan that we were supposed to approve this year, we're not going to approve this. And um, we want you Metro highway folks to come back next year with a, with a new version of this that doesn't, you know, uproot hundreds of families in in Downey. So, um, so I think that's that's been a real. I mean, I think a, a lot of times bicyclists were, you know, were pushing for, you know, five feet of pavement here and there, and <laughs> um, a sharrow, or <laughs> we're pushing for some really small Bums. stuff. But but I feel like the the you know. What's Caltrans budget? Fifty-five billion dollars, right? A year. The, uh, the, the, the highway building. The the amount of money that's spent on, you know, making California, you know, paving California for for drivers is uh, a juggernaut that that we need to fight tooth and nail. And I think that in in Downey, people who people who who live there really sounded the alarm and and um and and metro really stood up and said um okay let's 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 reel this in and and frankly that a lot of the language that that the metro board used was the the same as they used in describing the 710 freeway tunnel this you know six billion dollar plan to do a tunnel under you know, South Pasadena and El Sereno and that area. Um, and, and in 2017, Metro canceled that project. And, um, and so a lot, of the, a lot of the rhetoric really pointed to that sort of leanings on the Metro board, folks like um, Hilda Solis, County Supervisor, um, the, uh, the mayor of Long Beach, Robert Garcia, um, really were saying like, don't, don't spend this money on ripping out people's homes, you know. Especially with the housing crisis. crisis. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it was, I was down there over, over, so Caltrans is, and Metro are already, you know, spending 2 billion to widen the, the five freeway from, uh, from the Orange County border for seven miles and um, it used to be six lanes when they started, and now it's going to be 12 lanes wide, although they're only going to paint 10 of them. Anyways, so, um, so you know, they're doubling the, the footprint of this freeway, and they just are, it's really like 
a hole. It's really like somebody like tore up streets and homes and businesses and and there's just all these like emptiness places where you know driveways lead to vacant lots and stuff you know where, where people used to live where families used to live and and the the freeway that used to be at grade is now this like i didn't measure it but it's like a 40 foot high sound wall you know like looming over these houses you know it's it's more pollution more noise more death more you know more congestion on local streets um it's really um it's really wretched and destructive on a on a scale that um you know and you look at like the shitty things that ladot does and to widen streets and add lanes and stuff like fucking caltrans wrecks neighborhoods caltrans is godzilla you know and dot is like a cobra or something you know? so it's like it's like i've really seen i don't know i, I feel like I, I need to do more reporting i mean the caltrans is is widening the five freeway through burbank um and i i think of it as sort of a like the five freeway is like this shotgun loaded pointing at downtown la um that says like we're going to keep widening north from Orange County and we're going to keep widening south from the valley and we're going to like blow up all the neighborhoods in East LA in gosh Downey <laughs> I'm trying to think of all those neighborhoods commerce industry those areas Santa Fe Springs I mean that there's just like um if if you think you know LA is LA city politicians are car centric Caltrans and Metro highway program have have an order of magnitude more juice you know more money like bearing down at neighborhoods like taking out homes um and and that's that's really uh that's happening so that's happening on the five in in the valley that's happening on the five in south la county southeast la county um it's happening on the 710 freeway to the lower 710 um through for from you know the port up to um burning you know the 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 metro is looking to spend you know six billion dollars to add lots of lanes and to take out homes and businesses and um so i i think that's a i think you know there's a there's a guy sorry I'm talking a lot on this but it's it's been i think it's been a really gratifying story to to amplify local concerns to let people know i mean a lot of people say oh that metro sales tax is is the subway tax it's like nope folks it's you know 40 percent of it's going to to build car you know car centric crap that frankly like we we drive i have a three-person family my were were our relatives live down in orange county we drive down to orange county and then we take the train sometimes but um we drive on this area and I tell my daughter when, when we hit that construction in Downey, Norwalk, Santa Fe Springs, um, right at the border of Orange County, you know, this is, this is $2 billion that's, you know, widening this facility beyond, you know, a human scale. And this is really our generation's legacy for my daughter. This is, this is what we're giving to to the next generation is like 
shitloads of cars and global warming and asthma and a dying planet, frankly, like a, a pushing sustainability to the to the brink. And I, I don't it's 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 depressing, but I but I think we need I think we can gather and fight this. And I think even people at leadership like the Metro Board are saying that this is this is excessive and needs to be reined in. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was a long <laughs> soapbox, but um, but I think it's a big story, and I think cyclists should should be part of fighting this. So, is there a call to action, like when you say fighting? Well, there's a so there's a group that formed in Downey that that focuses beyond that called the Happy City Coalition that folks should follow Happy City Coalition on on Twitter and and you know whatever on all social media. Um, there's going to be a uh, in a in a month or so, probably two or three months, um, the Metro Board will be making a decision on on whether to, you know, demolish hundreds of homes. And I think that people people need to keep track of that and to weigh in on it and to let the the Metro Board know. Um, and even state elected officials. I mean, I th- I think I think you know the governor. And I mean, the governor does a does a executive order that says Caltrans needs to, uh, Melly, maybe help me with this, like get their projects in line with the state's climate goals. And yeah. like everybody, Metro turns around and says, "Ooh, we don't, you know, we're not causing any climate emissions. Like that's just like people live too far from where they work. You know, that's not yeah. us. That's not building fucking twelve lane highways where there were six lane highways." So anyway, so I think. I think we need to hold state officials and local officials to rein in the excesses and frankly to kill these projects and to to invest in modes that we need for the future which which is you know rail and bike and transit um and walking and and make make those available and and not and not squander you know billions and billions and billions on wider freeways. I mean, actually coming, supposedly coming this month, there's, there's the, the Burbank one is, you know, years, years late, the Burbank five freeway widening is years late and well over budget and Metro's gonna like dump another $70 million into the, into the kitty because Caltrans overshot their budget, you know? So I think we need to try to hold the line on funding for these and, and just say like, no, you don't, you, you need to, you need to trim your project and not like keep gobbling up huge, vast amounts of money. Anyways. I think that, I think that, that, yeah. that the gas tax is going to end up being a monster, a, a, a Frankenstein monster. They're just going to have so much money and they don't know what to do with it all. They're just going to keep building more and more and more with it. Well, well, can I just say that might not be true. I mean, they have the, the gas taxes for specific things that they're supposed to, like each program had specific things that they were supposed to meet. And there's a lot of argument and discussion. There are a couple of programs that are creating wider highways for sure from the gas tax, but there's always a way to weigh in on that. And the more they hear, they, they do respond. I have seen them. So if people show up and say, no, you, you need to spend this money on something else, they do respond, which is why state leadership is, you know, at least 
maybe lip service, I don't know, but at least they are saying, yeah, we can't keep widening freeways this way. There's, there's policy changes. I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's an opportunity to form like a coalition with housing groups, you know, over the housing issue. It's like, can we, can we start a spreadsheet and figure out how much housing um, is planned to be removed, you know, based on, I don't know, whatever the plans are that Caltrans yeah. has put a spreadsheet together and say like, look, they're going to take away 10,000 housing units over the next 30 years. You know, this is a big deal. Yeah. Can well, we can I, can I... form a coalition with housing groups and put more pressure on them? Cause I feel like the, the bike cause is sort of this, we are the powerful bike lobby in a way, but <laughs> all also, powerful. Yeah, all powerful, but we're kind of get cast aside really easily by the media and whoever, whoever the other but powers would be. But I think we've seen, I think we're seeing, yes, we can look at those plans and that's the sort of thing that I've been reporting on on the 605 quarter mm -hmm. improvement project. But I mean, the, you know, the things we're seeing is Caltrans bought all those homes for the, for the, um, 710. Uh, the 710 tunnel, the North 710 tunnel. And then, you know, three years after the project's been canceled, those homes are sitting unused and advocates for the unhoused and the unhoused like occupied them and Caltrans, you know, called in CHP and, you know, mm -hmm. knocked some heads. And so it's like, I think that I think we can look at the the future projections and they're they're you know very wrong-headed but we can look at what's right in front of us now in that in that caltrans is needs to needs to be a partner in not like fucking up the housing supply like they have done for decades and to to be you know to be responsive to that to be to to to, to not be destroying homes and to, to do projects that 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 have a net increase in homes, they need to they need to look at their their plans and say, oh, you know, let's let's shrink the footprint so that we're not taking out lots of homes. And anywhere where we take out one home, let's replace it with two. Uh, you know, I think we need to I think we need to get Caltrans to say, we're you know we're we Caltrans aren't going to be the the one of the drivers of the housing crisis, you know? So, I mean, and I think that's a matter of shaming them for stuff that they're doing today, right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually that, that would be, I mean, Caltrans leadership is making, you know, lip service commitments that they are not going to do that anymore. They've made this equity statement about how we are going to look at how we have contributed to racial injustice and we're going to change. They don't quite yet know how they are going to do that because they're such a giant organization. But the fact that they made that statement means that as advocates, we can all say, Caltrans, Here's yes. an equity pro problem right here that you are contributing to. You said you were going to deal with it. Here's how you deal with it. And they would actually welcome that, I think, because they need to be told how to do mm. it. They're yeah. not like, they're not going to just build houses, like, which is a great idea, Joe, but they're not going to do it unless they're forced or shamed into doing it. But we can easily do that by yeah. pointing out to them, here's your chance. And I think their, their statement is, is pretty darn good. Like, Metro put out this, you know, 
bull crap like statement on Black Lives Matter that said like someone widened some freeways, you know, like and then said and then said, oh, and we, you know, did all these good things. And then it's like, no, you widen the freeways. You are still widening them and you're still planning to widen them. Like, so it's not I know it's it's there's a lot of, you know, you don't have to go very far to find a crappy Black Lives Matter statement this year. But I think if you read the Caltrans statement, it's it's pretty conciliatory and it's saying the right things. I mean, as Melanie says, you know, activists are going to have to hold it in front of their faces and um, get them to follow it. Mm -hmm. But um, but it's actually a, a I, I first saw it and I'm like, OK, I'm going to blow some holes in this. And then I thought, yeah, I, this is this is a pretty good commitment on on the face of it. They thought about it and they 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 said the right things, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. so now now to get there, whatever, to get them to get that to filter out to what they're really doing on the ground. And we'll keeping see. in mind that the people who are creating these statements need the support of advocates to be able to do that because they are trying to change a culture of engineers who know what the right thing is. They know what to do. They're they've been telling us for years that the right thing is to widen this freeway and they're the smart guys. So the, the yeah. people who are trying to get them to change need us to weigh in and say whatever we can to support that change. Yeah. The smart engineers that I've heard from are all on bike Twitter and they don't sound anything like that. Yay, <laughs> the smart engineers. <laughs> Yeah, there's, but, you know, there's. Are you talking about Agent X? He might be others, listening right now. Yeah. We, no, we, people who like are smart engineers about bikes on Twitter, but then in their day jobs, they go along with the rest of it. I mean, I don't really know if people do that, but, and I understand do. that it's really hard to speak up if you're like a lone voice, but I do know people who have spoken up. And we need everybody to speak up and say, no, this is bull crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we need to not, we need to shift from this is the way we've always done it to climate and civil rights are an emergency that, that, that we can't keep doing what we kept, what, what we've been doing. We okay, well, here's, need, here's we like- need people to reevaluate. This, this is a huge year and a lot of shit changed I think a lot of you talked about gas tax, the the gas tax tank because people stopped driving, you know. And so Caltrans is is and LADOT. There's a there's a lot of folks that are that are taking stock of how we've always done it. And I think it's I think it's a ripe time. And folks like Nithya Raman, folks like Holly Mitchell, can. Um, uh, now is a good time to make some change because I think a lot. I think people are. I think COVID and I think the the you know Black Lives Matter movement have have gotten people to to take a look at things and say, ooh, you know, somebody's got a point here. And so I, th I think when you, I think I think the it, it is a it is an important um, moment right now to reevaluate how we've always done things and to to realign budgets and designs and and I, I think I think that that's uh, that's the that's the you know 
small, you know, marginal silver lining on the, the you know, deadly shitstorm that is COVID and that is, you know, killing of, of African-Americans, of black population by police. I mean, there, there's a lot that we, that we're doing wrong that, that we can change now because, because people, because movements have, have worked to, to, to bring those issues to the fore. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of opportunity to build a coalition with like Sunrise Movement and housing um, groups to uh, increase the pressure on you know, like Caltrans and LADOT and so forth. It's just, and I think there's been a lot of uh, communication between like the bike advocates and, and these other movements. I, I don't feel like there's a lot of coordination between them. Like, I feel like we could tie housing into this and climate change into this and get those groups, which are very powerful voices, thinking about transportation. I don't think I don't see I I don't see a lot of thought on transportation from like I think you're overlooking the people Don who who have been doing that work folks like people for mobility justice folks like Tamika Butler have been making connections between housing and transportation and and I mean they're not uh it's not exactly the way I would like to do it I mean what I'm talking about is like messaging from sunrise movement like i never see messaging from sunrise movement that's saying we need to drive less and maybe i'm not paying attention to the right channels or something but it's like i don't see a lot of it when when it comes down to like car have you read nithya raman's website yeah but i'm i mean i'm talking about the sunrise movement right like that yeah, is but, a national you know, where movement. Did, where of, did she where... get her strength? You know, I mean, that's that's what. Yeah, totally, but, I mean, totally. I think there's. I think there are leaders who are saying there's a climate crisis, there's a housing crisis. You Although know, I don't think, I mean... and and that and that we need to work on those, and that those are connected, and that 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 we need to, you know, to to shorthand it. Like we need to fight the man that's fucking those up, and 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 those issues are connected. The Green New Deal bikes you know i mean jobs, okay it's it's housing it's it's there, there's people who are making those connections who are running okay. on those so right. i i don't i think you're i think it's in front of your face don i think you know <laughs> join, i mean join the movement. i consume a lot of a lot of media and i see a lot of uh sunrise movement activists in my feed who are my friends and transportation is not on their list of things. Like when it comes to transportation, I even see arguments that say like, well, the gas tax is regressive, that it's, it affects uh, poor folks who, you know, uh, have to pay more to commute to a crappy job. You know, like I, I want to see, I mean, maybe I'm missing it. Yeah. You know, but I just, it's like, is Sunrise Movement putting pressure on Caltrans? Is, you know, are housing advocates putting pressure on Caltrans? Like, that's what I'm talking about. I want to get those kind of voices into the room with Caltrans and amplify the pressure that we're trying to put on them as so, transit advocates. Um, like, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the Sunrise Movement's website right now, and I don't see anything about transportation. I'm, I'm looking, and 
it, there's nothing about transportation in here that I'm looking, that I'm seeing off the top of my, off the front of the website, but I'll look into it more, but I'm, I, I, I but I, but I think if you, if you look at the candidates who the Sunrise mm -hmm. Movement supports, mm -hmm. you know, Nithya Raman is the one that's, that's, I keep saying, no, but, I mean, um, Nitsi Raman's great. I'm talking the, about getting the, into the, the room those, with Caltrans. Those candidates are, are saying that we need to, we need to shift away from the, you know, fossil fuel economy that, that has, that's, you know, that's, that we've been talking about that, that bicycling is one big part of the solution to, you know, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I think rather than, um, Sorry, I feel like I'm shitting on you, Don. No, no, it's rather I have thick skin. Don't worry about it. For purity, I think you need to look and say the Sunrise Movement is saying global warming exists and that a Green yeah. New Deal is important. And I yeah, think, but we do, can do you say, know what I'm saying? Like, I don't say, see yeah, a lot of the conversation. That's where we're coming from, and that's where we can work together. But what I'm not seeing uh, is the direct connection. Like, okay. Uh, just then, in the media help, that I consume. Oh, wait, hang, hang on, hang on. Media that, that I'm consuming. Melanie, you right. want to? Do you want to go eat, Melanie? <laughs> no, I, I, want, I need to. I want Don to take this on. I want Don to be the one to make this connection for people. You clearly can see okay. it. I think you need to go and talk to your friends in the sunrise movement. Sunshine, sunrise movement. I mean, cool. yeah, it's a lot of times when I'm talking to, to folks, sense. when I talk to folks that are part of this movement at least in the Los Angeles area, transportation is not something that's on their minds. You know, that's what I'm, I'm just saying. Like, you take it for granted. I think there's a lot of gaslighting with it. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, it's that thing where you, like cars are just so ingrained mm -hmm. in us that, that, that uh, I think there's a lot of lefties that, that are like, well, wait a minute, you're taking away car lanes, you're making things harder for poor people, you know? And it's like, okay, what do you, what's the goal here? Like, are we serious about climate change or, you know, then we need to come up with solutions so that poor folks don't have to buy, you know, thousands of dollars worth of transportation equipment to get around. I don't see a lot of these I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. I'll, I'll look but into I, it. But I think we can. I think we can find that common ground with Sunrise Movement. Absolutely. And, and and I think that. I think. I just it's think that we haven't yet. It's better to. It's better to, you know, look for common cause and to. Uh, I Absolutely. think the, the connections you're making between, you know, freeway building and housing, um, are. Those are important, and that's that's the place where we we build coalitions and we become more effective. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying I haven't seen it happen yet. I'm, I mean, I don't doubt that we can make it happen. It's just I'm not seeing. I, you know, I'll look into it. Right. Sunrise movement. What's your transportation policy? Let's let's figure it out from their website or something. But Thanks. I just haven't seen it yet. Thank you, everybody. It's been a great year. No, it hasn't. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me, let me yeah. Wait, did we determine what the best story of 2020 was for bikes? Have we figured that out yet? I'm still voting for that Waze, no. the little Waze thing no. we're, that we're, Michael got going. Uh, we'll do it next episode. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Right. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. That was fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Bye.
yeah. see you guys. Climate policy. I'm still, I'm on this website. I'm going to find this. There we go. Okay, wait. Cut the music for a second. We're getting into the. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. I want to become friends with Bike Talk.